You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains. DLTs and cryptocurrencies. In today's episode, we're going to be looking again at the blockchain gaming space, discuss how the industry has evolved over the past few years, and what are some of the business models and trends that are currently becoming popular. To discuss the various opportunities and challenges that exist in the blockchain gaming space, we are joined by Neeraj Kashyap, who is the founder of Moonstream which is a platform that allows game developers to add and manage on-chain game mechanics within their games. Neeraj, a very warm welcome to you on our show from Nikhil and myself. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So to begin, could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, your background and how you got involved with crypto and blockchain? Yeah, I would be very happy to. So my name is Neeraj Kashyap. Um, I'm the CEO of a company called Moonstream and we're a, a web3 game engine uh you know we help games that want to integrate with the blockchain uh, actually do so we provide game mechanics basically that they can integrate into their games very easily um i'm originally a mathematician uh you know the kind of mathematician that only worked on pen and paper right i spent like much of my early life just uh doing mathematical research in number theory um and that's sort of how i got introduced to to crypto to the blockchain um because when the bitcoin white paper was released you know um it certainly made its rounds through the mathematical community and that was that was my first sort of exposure to to all of this technology or to these ideas um and for a long time i was just uh involved you know where i was i i was purchasing bitcoin and you know i had friends who were mining bitcoin and stuff like that so i was involved sort of uh peripherally um uh and then in 2016 i got really excited about ethereum because ethereum promised something different than what we had seen with bitcoin before that uh they don't use this kind of um terminology anymore for some reason but when they came out ethereum was billing itself as the world computer right so you actually had um a much more robust sort of programming environment than you had with bitcoin with bitcoin you could always write scripts and stuff like that but with ethereum you know you had a well defined virtual machine on which you could deploy programs and they would be the programs would execute on the blockchain uh you know on the nodes that participated in the blockchain and uh you had all of the sort of semantics that came along with that that was very exciting to me so in 2016 uh that's when i actually started like getting my hands dirty and like you know actually uh you know building infrastructure and doing development on top of the ethereum blockchain um and you know i've sort of been doing that ever since uh, at the time i worked at google i quickly realized that google had uh, no intentions or no interest in doing anything blockchain related so i left my job at google i joined a blockchain startup um and you know we went through the crash uh of 2017 2018 uh they sort of moved away from crypto and so then i left and i started this company um we've been working on moonstream for the past you know since 2019 since the summer of 2019 um and we're finally starting to get traction so that that's that's sort of my history in crypto and and actually our traction has been pretty phenomenal so this year 
we've done almost $4 billion in transaction volume uh, through our platform and through our smart contracts. So that's, yeah, that's my story in crypto. So uh, to straight away jump into, you know, the, the, the topic that we want to discuss today, which is around blockchain gaming. We have talked about blockchain and gaming on this podcast a couple of times before this. Uh, however, uh, Neeraj, for our audience, could you give a quick walkthrough of how blockchain and crypto made its way into the gaming industry and uh, maybe give an overview of some of the most basic concepts in gaming, such as uh, loot boxes, leaderboards, and uh, how this ties into the new GameFi and play-to-earn models. Yeah, I would. Uh, that that's actually that's very pertinent. I I I don't know. Um how familiar the audience is with games at all. So should I maybe go through like sort of the evolution of games that led up to this stage? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it doesn't hurt because uh, our audience might be, you know, business developers who don't necessarily do much gaming. I, for one, can cop to that, right? So I'm not, I'm not a very big gamer myself, so I wouldn't know all the terminology. Sure. So let's let's talk about games first. You know, even before any blockchains existed, uh, games have been doing... Um, have been have been making us change our perceptions of value um, in very fundamental ways, I would say. So, um, you know, there are two ways that a person can sort of uh, realize value or create value, right, um, for themselves or for, you know, for their community, for society, whatever. Um, there are like these sort of, there's the arbitrage way of uh, realizing value, right, where you find opportunities where, you know, other people like, misestimate uh, the value of something and you know you bet that your estimation of the value is more correct and then you, you sort of participate in basically these zero-sum games um, and then there, the other way is to like sort of create these sort of win-win situations where uh, you know it's it's very additive in the sense that uh, you you know when you develop a new technology for example you're actually creating value not by participating in a zero-sum game but like you you're creating value for yourself and for a lot of other people or everyone else at the same time. And uh, games are games are quite interesting because most people think of games as um, just... Most people don't think of games as a valuable expenditure of time, right? Like uh, parents will tell their children to stop wasting their time playing games and you know, go and study instead or go and do this instead or go and do that instead. Um, but actually, I, I think that's wrong. And I think society is starting to realize that that's wrong. Um, Especially, you know, if we're headed towards a post-scarcity future for, you know, for humanity. Um, the point is that entertaining people or exposing people to new ideas or new concepts or new ways of thinking uh, actually creates value for everyone. It creates value for the people that you're exposing those ideas to. It can create value for yourself if there's like, you know, sufficient incentives put in place for you to sort of teach people those ideas or to expose people to those ideas and it creates value for society as if you know as you have like a more um intellectually sophisticated population it just it just you know improves the amount of things that we as a species can like create and develop together so um games at least in the last couple of decades i feel have been at the forefront of this whether people realize it or not and a lot of interesting things have come out of the gaming industry so um you know, user-generated content or the idea or like, you know, network effects were things that we probably observed with games before we observed them really with uh, anything else. Um, for example, you know, Warcraft 3, was, it, the game came out in what, 2003 or so, 2003, 2004. Um, and they immediately had 
like a very active modding community. And even to this day, I know that people play Warcraft 3, uh, Frozen Throne, like one of the expansions, because uh, just for the mods themselves, right? So, uh, of Defense of the Ancients, uh, or Dota 2, which is like, that's the, that's the current incarnation, which is one of like the most popular games on the planet, started off as a Warcraft 3 mod. Um, and so all of these were just ideas that people were trying out. You know, uh, I think the first people who created those games or created those mods, um, they weren't really doing it for necessarily any monetary reasons. I don't think they were expecting to get paid out of it. But these things turned into huge movements because, you know, they built these entertaining experiences and compelling experiences. And now, uh, you know, there are competitive scenes and stuff like that. So just this idea of like, uh, you know, collaborative creation and um, assigning like real value to collaborative creation. I think the game industry, the gaming industry has been, been at the forefront of it Uh for a long time. Uh, and, you know, Warcraft 3 was like relatively recent. Like, you know, it started even before that with like Quake and Doom uh, and all sorts of other games. Uh, I think people who developed games very early on realized the power of making it easy for their players to contribute their own content to those games and to share that content with each other. Um, uh, and, you know, that that's that's been an extremely important movement, I think, in the gaming industry. And it's spreading to like, you know, other areas of uh, human activity as well. But the reason that blockchain gaming is so exciting is because it takes those incentives, you know, uh, whatever. Normally, you know, if you release a game, you as the game developer, uh, you control the incentives uh, for your users to create content for your game. And, uh, you know, you you have usually a very strong say in whether or not content should be allowed um, to be distributed to other users of the game. Right. Like content, like let's say that Krishna, you created a game. Uh, and I, as a user, wanted to create some custom content for that game, you would have a lot of control over my content getting distributed to other users of the game, uh, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, usually because you're hosting the game server, you're hosting like the official channels through which mods get released to other players and so on, right? Um, with And also you control revenues for the games. There are usually no way, there's usually no way for, um, for like users who are creating content for a game to get paid uh, directly for that content. Um, all revenue usually goes to the game developer. So uh, for really entertaining games or really compelling games, uh, users are creating content anyway because they spend a lot of time thinking about the games and they really care about them. But um, but in general, like, you know, everything is in, the con- is in control of the game developer. Um, yeah, but uh, isn't that kind of like changed nowadays? Don't, I mean, isn't like Roblox also having an economy and you can make money building things i mean uh that's what i've heard is that there are ways to uh, uh you know like even in world of world of warcraft uh there were people who were doing mining gold and selling characters on ebay uh, isn't isn't that kind of like uh, an economy that a game generates so the way that roblox is different from world of warcraft is that uh, roblox was created as a platform for others for you know uh, not just the roblox team itself but uh community members i say or players uh to create their own narrative experiences for other players but um you know still when you're creating inside roblox you're creating within the technical boundaries of the roblox platform uh and your payments like you know everything your entire business let's say that you started a business to build content on uh, on roblox um all of your payments would be handled via Roblox and would be dependent on, you know, that company 
deeming the content that you are creating as appropriate and so on, right? Like there, there, there would be a lot of limitations placed by operating on a centralized platform. Um, the exciting thing, and, and by the way, the Roblox platform also doesn't allow for the creation of like as complete a game as, for example, I would want to play, right? Like I've, uh, I've participated, I've like played many games on Roblox, but uh, none of them have really held my interest because I don't think it would be easy or maybe even possible to create a game with the kind of mechanics that would like, you know, hold my attention uh, within, within like the technological confines of Roblox. Um, the great thing about blockchain games, about, you know, putting a game on the blockchain is that once you release the seed of an idea of, you know, seed of the idea of your blockchain game and you make it like reasonably decentralized, you lose control um, as the game developer. You no longer have control over what other people can build on top of your game and how people can monetize that content um, on top of that game. Now, you, you might think that this sounds uh, really bad, right? Because the game developer is losing all of this control. Like, you know, people could. Yeah, why would anybody of, want yeah. to build a blockchain game? Uh, because, you know, the the reason that you you would want to actually create a game like this is because it could it can create something that lasts much longer and and creates much stronger communities than than real games right so even the most popular real games that we have now like let's say starcraft or uh, i guess world of warcraft is an extremely popular game it's been running for almost 20 years right uh, i guess it when was it released like 2004 2005 right so almost almost 20 years at this point um uh, even even those games will eventually die at some point like you know blizzard will get acquired like through through its parent companies by someone else who doesn't necessarily want to like continue uh hosting that content on a server this has already happened to games like starcraft 2 uh starcraft 2 is sort of in like a dying phase of its development or of, of its of its maintenance um at some you know but you you can maybe maybe you, i would expect like the the lifespan of blizzard blizzard to be measured in decades um, but by creating game mechanics that live on the blockchain, you're actually tapping into the same social dynamics that religions employ, right? Uh, so you can actually create narrative experiences that span like generations, that span like maybe centuries, maybe even millennia, right? Uh, because basically you are not placing any constraints on how the community of people that are building for and playing uh, and uh, and participating in that experience, you're not placing any constraints or any boundaries on what they can do besides what the blockchain places on them in the first place, which is which are pretty minimal constraints. And so that's the exciting thing about blockchain games. Well, that's I mean to kind of push back a little bit on that. So that's kind of like a philosophical argument, right? That's like telling a person, "Hey, uh, your name will live on after you die, but you're going to be penniless uh, right now." That's like uh, I mean, how, again, from uh, we've grown up in a in this in this world where we are kind of told that being a capitalist and being greedy is good, mm -hmm. and uh, so how, how does how does that that kind of need or that kind of so at the end of the day, how do I actually feed myself and my family by building a blockchain game? Also, just to piggyback on that, uh, my question was going to be something very similar. You know, mm -hmm. like, what do you think about this marriage of blockchain and gaming? It has been so far, you know, from an economic standpoint. Like, do you feel that blockchain and NFTs have disrupted the gaming space in a big way? Or do you think that people currently are just playing blockchain-based games mostly for the purpose of earning money? And, you know, it's it's not really enhanced the gaming experience itself in a big way yet. 
Uh, I think there has been no revolution yet, and I don't think that blockchain gaming has meaningfully enhanced uh, gaming uh, yet. Um, and it's it's exactly as you said, Krishna. It's people are just playing to earn. So then, Nikhil, to go back to your question of um, of like you know capitalism and why what what what's in it, right? What monetary value is it, is there in building a blockchain game? And it really depends on the dynamics of the market, right? So basically, mm-hmm. with the bull market uh, until the crash, right, uh, last month. Uh, what we saw was a lot of people building blockchain games because people were buying tokens, right? Uh, like people were throwing crazy amounts of money behind tokens. And so every everyone that had like anything that even remotely, sound, remotely sounded like an idea for a game decided to do, build it as an NFT game. And they like would raise token sales, like, you know, millions, uh, hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions of dollars in token sales. And then uh, most of those experiences, in my opinion, ended up being quite boring i don't uh, if 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 they built a game in the first place right there were a lot of rug pulls um and most of the dynamics ended up being sort of like pyramid scheme dynamics where you know you would sell tokens uh and you didn't really have players what you had was invest investors right and you promised your investors gains uh which basically depended on you bringing more players into your ecosystem uh and if the value that you create like so strongly depends on being able to convince like you know let's say an exponentially like increasing number of people about that value, then basically, you know, we're talking about pyramid schemes, so, right? Yeah. It's a Ponzi. Um, so, so that's, uh, that's what was happening in the bull market. And now I think what we're going to see, uh, what, what we're going to see over the next like couple of years is, uh, you know, especially if conditions continue worsening as they are, or even remain like as they are right now, um, we're going to see a lot of those projects sort of die uh, because, you know, if you haven't built an entertaining experience, um, and if you're not planning to build an entertaining experience, then there's no reason for your community to stick around. I mean, there's statistics, right? So, like, uh, uh, I think we've seen like a, a 96% decline in GameFi activity on sort of all blockchains put together, and the reason for that is quite simple, right? Because the social dynamics for like the play-to-earn games from the bull market where basically a regular player is not going to be able to afford to play with, uh, you know, to play any one of these blockchain games. So there are these rich investors that actually buy the tokens and then they would, you know, give them to players and the players would earn sort of like a daily wage by playing those tokens inside the games. Um, and, you know, there was typically like there's a common like 70%, 20%, 10% split between the player the manager, so these guilds all have managers that manage like, you know, stables of players and then the guild itself. Um, but even even at that split, given the number of players that, that you know, these tokens were being given to, each player wasn't able to make much more than what they needed to sort of pay their monthly expenses, right? Uh, per month, they right. weren't able to make much more than what they could, than paying their monthly expenses. And as a result, uh, I think what the reason for this 96% decline in GameFi activity is now that crypto just isn't worth much anymore relative to like, you know, the currencies that players have to use to, you know, pay for food and pay the rent and so on. Um, they're, they're, the opportunity cost is just way too high to play these games and they're just not entertaining enough to like keep playing, right? So basically we're seeing right. this decline in activity in those projects. So I don't have a very positive or rosy view of what has come so far in blockchain gaming. There are a few projects that uh, that are really exciting, that are doing new things on the blockchain and that are entertaining that like definitely we participate in. We participate in a lot of blockchain games as players and uh, we're, we're more excited about those games, uh, which, which are fun to play. Um, so uh, there, there are a few games like that, but nothing has been like really a paradigm shift yet. 
Uh, I think it's coming. Uh, I think it will come. Probably it'll come out of this bear market. Uh, and it it is philosophical. You know, I think with any technology very early on, uh, the people who it requires people to sort of stand behind that technology, techno, technology philosophically, uh, because those are the ones who are going to like build the things that show that you know show what show the potential the of that technology is. Yeah, exactly. And so right now we are definitely in that phase. Um, uh, all I can say is that you know it's not just a philosophy about blockchain games, though. It's really a philosophy about value creation, right? Um, if somebody like you know, it depends on you know, you know whether you believe that certainly like you know participating in arbitrage is a really good way to make money um, is a really good way to make money if you can find those arbitrage opportunities. But and this is my personal philosoph- philosophical view. I would much rather participate in activities that that sort of generate value rather than the rather than the zero sum games in which you take value from someone else. Um, and if you have that mentality, then I think the uh, like blockchain games become much more exciting because this is like basically an untapped, you know, an un- unexplored uh, avenue of like really creating value for everyone, generating value. That's a that's great. That's a great dialogue over there. Uh, I, I, but the the, take, the key takeaways I see over there is one that uh, the reason why there's been such a steep decline uh, in GameFi activity is that a the games were primarily built as not to be compelling to gamers, but as simple ways or ways uh, built in such a way that you know you you wanted to show some activity. And so, so, so primarily to make money, right? And I think you're very right that that's uh, that's obviously a very short-term view of things. Uh, but at the same time, we know that there are you know game studios uh, out there that build very compelling games, like Eve Online, and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, the games on PS4, and uh, you know I don't know Nintendo and all of those. Right. And uh, it's not just the hardware part, it's the software as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, at least I've been kind of hearing again, is that uh, when you approach these uh, groups of people, right, the, the, what people, some guys call hardcore gamers, mm-hmm. there seems to be this kind of resistance to uh, blockchain and the blockchain message, right? There seems to be, at least that seems to be what the general story is that is being told uh, that this is why it doesn't it, uh, gaming doesn't seem to be uh, taking off. Uh, do you think that's actually a valid uh, perspective or narrative, or is that simply just one of those things where you know the narrative is actually hiding something uh, different? No, I think it's a valid narrative. Uh, do you do you mean their narrative, or do you mean your perception of their of their uh, the, the the perception that uh, you know. Uh, uh, regular gamers or regular uh, uh, developers in games are not really interested in in, in incorporating blockchain. Yeah, uh, I think I think that's that's correct. That's what I've observed as well, and I think it's quite reasonable for them not to want to incorporate blockchain into their games because most of what they see, like you know, unless you unless you spend a lot of time trying to understand, like you know, what's possible with blockchain games, and most people who are developing blockchain games right now are also not spending that time, right? They're like most of them are essentially pyramid schemes, right? So, um, because of this uh, uh, this association of blockchain games with what what, even though they might not be intended as scams, uh, they could very easily be interpreted as scams. Um, 
because of that, I, I think it's actually reasonable for like most game developers or gamers to not take this stuff very seriously. I think it's gone a little bit further than not taking it seriously. I think they they're like quite fanatically against it uh, or irrationally sort of like uh, against like you know very uh, negative or like anti uh, uh, hostile towards it. Um, but I, I think it, that comes from like. Uh, that comes from just common sense, I think. So it's it's reasonable for them to feel that way. So uh, given that, uh, how, how do you actually see this playing out, right? Because obviously uh, you have uh, invested in a company, you're kind of going down this path and you obviously kind of uh, feel that there is a value. So you obviously you must be having some kind of idea about where this, uh, the, a good, good way out of this particular uh uh, this particular situation. And also, if you could, Nira, just for our audience, uh, explain, you know, first, what is Moonstream as a company, what it does, and, you know, where you're fitting in this. Uh, in yeah, yeah. That's so, sorry, I think we should have started there. <laughs> My yeah. apologies. Yeah, no problem. I, I can, you know, what we do is we build on-chain game mechanics, right? So um, almost anybody who's building a blockchain game, they need to represent some or all of the rules of their game on the blockchain. And this can be very hard. So, First of all, this is very valuable. Like, just let's put aside all, uh, you know, all notions of like, you know, what the dynamics have been in the bull market, what the dynamics have been in the bear market, play to earn, mm-hmm. and so on. Representing your mechanics on the blockchain is valuable for the very simple reason. I, and I'll tell you, like, you know, I play a lot of games, and I have played a lot of games ever since I was young. Right. Um, one of my biggest gripes with games is that um, your immersion in the game is always limited. Uh, by like you know social and economic principles. So basically, like let's say that someone is someone has created a game, and the game like there's an economy in the game. Your your character is like playing the game. You have to buy. You have to like earn resources in the game, buy resources in the game. You have to use those resources intelligently to improve your character to do uh, characters to do various things inside the game. Um, I've always felt that sort of the the you know every in-game economy has to be a simulated economy it can't have like real economic um in traditional games like in before the blockchain it can't have like real economic dynamics because uh, it would just be too expensive right like if the, the the more accurate that simulation would be i you know a regular computer wouldn't be able to run it right and uh, it, like usually you're not playing a game just for the economy you're playing the game because like you actually want to like you know there's some aspect element of skill or entertainment like that you're getting from the game and that's really the more important thing but for me the, yeah. the issue always has been that you know my immersion is usually broken by you know you can usually find some sort of economic exploit that to give you an edge or you know something like this that sort of breaks the balance of the game and the exciting thing one of the exciting things for me about the blockchain is that that's no longer a constraint right because if you represent like items and if you represent like your game world on the blockchain then you actually automatically have a real economy for your game because the players are all going to be sort of like uh building that economy together by while playing the game so that 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 like you know that sort of obstacle to like complete immersion inside the game world uh becomes less significant and it could eventually even go away right so that's that's exciting to me uh but anyway so in general it's a it's a good idea for you to represent like uh, some portions at least some portions of your game on the blockchain uh if not all of your game on the blockchain if it's not even if it's not possible to represent all of your game on the blockchain but if you're developing, like, this is hard. This is something that's very difficult to do, right? Because there are certain com- constraints that come from running a game on the blockchain. For example, 
the blockchain is like very close to a perfect information setting, right? Um, so, so as soon as like you you do something on the blockchain, anybody that's listening uh, can know about it. So you can't hide information very easily on the blockchain, except you know actually there there's the, all of this technology of like zero knowledge proofs that actually games are using to good effect. There's a there's a game called Darkforest.eth. Uh, it's really worth looking up, which is using uh, using zero knowledge proofs to implement basically a fog of war inside their game world. That's that's amazing, right? So um, that's that's actually like a really amazing technological advance, I, I would say, uh, and it's really worth looking into if anyone is interested. Darkforest.eth. Um, I, I'm not invested in the game or anything. It's just it's just a game that I'm quite excited about. So. Um, yeah, so no, just to step back a little bit yeah. over, uh, and and maybe this is uh, my sitting with my developer hat. I'm, I'm kind of like trying to trying to wonder. So w- w- when you say you represent, uh, the, you recommend that we represent everything in a game on the blockchain. Uh, isn't that actually kind of problematic uh, in terms of the performance of the game? Because uh, I mean, la- I, I don't, I don't recommend that. I don't recommend representing everything on the blockchain. I recommend making like a decision, like making quite well-informed decisions about what you want to represent on the blockchain and what you don't want to represent on the blockchain. Because the benefit of representing things on the blockchain means that you actually have um, like real multiplayer, basically, right? So uh, one of one of my principles actually is that blockchain games should not have non-player characters. So like generally, like let's say that you're playing a traditional game, like let's say you're playing World of Warcraft or something. Um, mm-hmm. It's really important what kind of non-player characters. So basically, like you know, bots created by the game developer uh, populate that world because they actually create a lot of the entertainment and the immersion for players even before the players have formed like those social bonds, right, within the game. Uh, but one of my right. principles for blockchain games is that blockchain games should not have non-player characters, and all of the game activity should be generated by players, basically uh, players who might be running bots if they want to, but it should be it should be generated by players. I think that's a very that's an important principle to me, right? As as we think about games and as we design our own games, uh, those are the principles that we're applying. So um, not everything should be on the blockchain. And you're right, it is problematic. And you have to choose your blockchains very carefully, right? So uh, if you did everything on the Ethereum blockchain, for example, very few people, all of them would be billionaires. They would be the only ones who would be able to play that game, right? So um, you need you need to like choose your blockchain very carefully. And there are many options out there, right? Uh, with the merge coming, Ethereum is going to like have many like sort of official uh, layer two blockchains in the ecosystem, which are capable, which have like much lower transaction fees, um, which have a higher rate of, uh, which have much lower like transaction latency and so on, right? So um, there's there's technological advancements being made on the blockchain side, which can make it feasible to run certain types of games on the blockchain. It's going to be a very very long time if even if it ever happens that you can run like a first person shooter completely on the blockchain right with the uh, like you know at 60 frames per second per player on like a multiplayer map or something like that's i don't see that happening like you know in yeah. my lifetime but yeah 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 um yeah so that's that's kind of like where i was like okay thinking okay so then if something like an EVE Online or, a, uh, like you said, a FPS that is uh, 60 frames per second uh, is to kind of uh, take advantage of the blockchain, it would be limited to mostly uh, assets, right? So yeah. it would be things like, you know, your character and uh, the, uh, the capabilities of your character and the game economy and yeah. things like that. And yeah. so that kind of leads to the idea. So, so then... Uh, I'm actually kind of like struggling to understand. So 
how would one basically create, say, a non-playing character in a game, uh, which is then represented on a blockchain that you don't, that then that kind of, because at the end of the day, those characters uh, and those assets uh, need to be updated to the state of the game, correct? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the state of the game would have, would have changed. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a fascinating problem, I think. And uh, like you said very correctly, uh, level two blockchains uh, and uh, other blockchains, Solana uh, uh, and other supposedly fast blockchains mm-hmm. uh, can help solve the problem. But uh, again, from uh, speaking uh, conservatively, given these constraints and how hard it is, uh, and because there is not that much, uh, can, can so if I if I go ahead and do this and I say okay I'm going to make this and it's going to be an economy with a, a bunch of real people in it, mm-hmm. is there uh, some sort of business model that you have envisioned uh, that that might kind of eventually reach? To a place where okay that that kind of makes uh, money for people that they would be interested in doing this even even if even the even if I mean even if it's a positive sum right where where uh, where everybody participates is there kind of like some possibility where we can come back and say uh, yeah we take maybe uh, because we are incentivized to grow this network because yeah. uh, it's it's uh, it's making money for us. Uh, you, do you mean for game developers, or do you mean for the entire yeah, community for, of people playing? From game? I mean, uh, so the game developers, in my opinion, are the seed, right? They need you mm-hmm. need you need somebody to start it and to yeah. conceive of it, or yeah. uh, and so so necessarily that they need to have some kind of incentive, uh, uh, both short term as well as long term, right? Short term, basically, you can. Uh, probably go down the VC route, like what we are doing, and do an IC or tokens or whatever, and and kind of generate money. But uh, games still need to be maintained. You still have all the other servers that you need for the you know the graphics, graphical assets, and the music assets, and all the, there's a bunch of things that you have to do outside of the blockchain, right? Yeah. Uh, and that how how does that actually get sustained uh, so- in your I think the the most important thing is that uh, for a blockchain game, at least the, the way that we are thinking about it, is that you don't develop the final. So basically, like with a blockchain game, you have to release the seed. You can't release the final project. And of course, not everybody is going to be interested in like sort of growing the seed of an idea, right? That's fine. Yeah. Um, initially, I think the communities are going to be small. It's going to be very important for somebody who's building like a properly decentralized blockchain game to get those early engaged community members on board. And I, I think it's very important not to think of like this distinction between the game, like the game developers and their community, but rather the game developers have, are just the first members of the community and your, and the community is sort of growing around them. And it's important to make the game mechanics sort of interoperable in the sense that let's say that like, you know, I released a game. Let's say I released like a fantasy RPG game, right? Like something that's fantasy themed. I wouldn't even be releasing a fantasy RPG game. I would be releasing something that was fantasy themed, right? Like, uh, like, mm-hmm. let's say, what would a decentralized world of Warcraft look like? You would release the, you would create maybe the lore, the initial lore of the world first, right? There are the orcs. Uh, almost there, like the, uh, Dungeons yeah. and Dragons thing. Yes, right? almost but, uh, like Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you would you would create that lore, and you would attract people into your world who 
enjoyed that flavor of ro- of lore. There are already projects that are sort of doing this that are almost completely lore and very little of anything else. But I have they have the potential to be really like hugely important projects in the future. Like uh, one example is Forgotten Runes Wizard Cult. Another example is Ethermore, right? Um, they're focusing more on the lore first because that's the thing that can sort of galvanize like those initial community members. That's how you get like initial creators into your ecosystem. And then you have to make it easy for people to build experiences around that lore, right? So let's say that, you know, Krishna liked to build like, you know, uh, MMORPGs. Maybe Krishna could go and develop an MMORPG in your world that people who had uh, characters in that world could play in. And maybe I don't like MMORPGs, but I like real-time strategy games, right? So I could go and develop a real-time strategy game that people who had characters in the world could play in. And the community could decide, like, how the outcomes of, like, you know, the gameplay experiences that in Krishna's game and in my game, how they were reflected in the lore of the world. And that would be a community decision, right? So that's where, like, these ideas of governance become so important and DAOs uh, become so important. Uh, I think that's that's sort of the philosophy that uh, blockchain gaming projects, especially the ones that are thinking long term, have to adopt. Yeah. And so that's what we're building uh, with Moonstream. Uh, We're building those mechanics that uh, that people can compose into building various types of game experiences for these blockchain game universes. Um, and we're making money actually by selling these uh, on-chain game mechanics to people who are building blockchain games. So uh, all of our customers are people who build blockchain games and um, they make use of our platform and our smart contracts and our APIs to basically create elements of their game universes that then other people, that they can build on, that other people can build on and so on. Uh, so from from that perspective, so uh, uh, coming back to Moonstream, mm-hmm. so you mentioned that Moonstream builds uh, uh, at a high level the game mechanics and and the tools to uh, build these blockchain games. Uh, uh, so does that mean that you run infrastructure for? Is that also part of the? Uh, uh, yeah. Offering? yeah, we also run. Yeah, we also run infrastructure. That's right. Okay, cool. So, uh, uh, in, and in this infrastructure, so the, is the, and then it's just kind of trying to understand. So, uh, in terms of using your infrastructure, is that like a SaaS model then? Uh, is, is, is that? Yeah, it's a, the, yeah, we have an API. We have the Moonstream Engine API and, uh, any, any part of, uh, anything that needs to go through our infrastructure is an API call on the Moonstream Engine API. That's right. Ah, okay. So, uh, and, and obviously, uh, the API is kind of like a REST HTTP API. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Because, because some things cannot be represented easily on the blockchain, you know? So, for example, uh, if you need to do activities at like a very low latency, like, you know, multiple times per second or something, um, that's not something that works well on the blockchain. And for that, you need to have an API. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's, that's, uh, that's part of our, Offering as well. And, and, and so, so as a game developer, uh, suppose, I mean, if, if in my, or if in an alternate universe, in an alternate life, I was a game developer, uh, and I decide, okay, fine, I want to get into this blockchain gaming thing. Uh, and I, and I get, by some miracle, uh, get some people interested in it and get money, uh, all that. Uh, when I approach Moonstream, what am I actually getting? So do I still need to deploy smart contracts on blockchains, uh, do, do all of that uh, separately on one side and then use your API for filling in the gaps? Or can I do everything like you guys would? It's like a turnkey solution. Uh, it's a turnkey solution for the generals, generalizable 
pieces of blockchain games. So basically, you know, if you're building a blockchain game, uh, there's some custom stuff, right? Your blockchain game is going to be different from other blockchain games. And there's going to be some custom behavior that you need, like, you know, maybe on your NFTs or something like that. Um, that's that's still up to you to implement, right? Uh, like, you know... So I, you, I would yeah. be responsible for creating my own DAO and for creating my tokens and designing the governance. Yeah, like your ERC-20 token or something. That's something that you should yeah. control. And those are, those those things are relatively easy to do, though, right? Um, right? But let's say that you wanted to build an economy on the blockchain or let's say that you wanted to represent crafting recipes on the blockchain or something like that. Uh, that's where Moonstream helps. So let's say that you want to have leaderboards, right, for blockchain game activity, Um uh, like, let's say that you want to have a reward system where, like, you know, when a player does something, they can get badges or they can get achievements or they can build a reputation in the game. Uh, those are all things that you can do through the Moonstream platform. So we deploy those smart contracts and we uh, those are smart contracts that, you know, we've deployed onto every network uh, that we support and uh, that you can you can use our API to manage as well. So that's uh, that's the part that you can all of that common stuff of like, you know, crafting and loot boxes and experience and reputation, badges, achievements, leaderboards, all of that is available to you through the Moonstream platform. And for that functionality, you don't have to deploy or manage your own smart contracts or anything like that. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, will I still need to kind of host my uh, servers on AWS to uh, provide the, uh, you know, the graphical assets and the That's right. The uh, game software. mechanics. The, the game itself, yeah. yeah. The game itself, yeah, the game like you're your hosting. Uh, and there are different types of games. You know, there are games that don't need to do any of that because they're completely on the blockchain, right? There's quite entertaining games that are implemented that are completely on the blockchain. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more, yeah. those are yeah. more uh, less real player and more like uh, strategy and, exactly. uh, uh, you know, board games type that stuff. Um Okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's a cool idea. Um, so, uh, how how do you actually see this kind of uh, move forward uh, as a whole, right? So, j- just to kind of go back a little bit, uh, you 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 were talking about uh, you know how this is going to be a a transformational thing for. Uh, gaming, but at the same time, we talked about, uh, you know, how this, there's been a lot of skepticism and common sense, uh, resistance to the current, uh, situation. Uh, how, how optimistic are you that, uh, that, you know, given enough time, uh, and, and maybe another crypto winter maybe might be the uh, solution to it. I don't know. Uh, the, uh, that there would be, actual you know uh tangible uh progress made that kind of makes this more compelling for the mainstream i i think it's going to happen uh like you know over the next five years we're going to see projects because you know what i'm saying i'm not the only person who thinks this way right there like the people who are there are many people who are building like really principled experiences like blockchain gaming experiences right now um, who aren't just like in it for the scam or in it for the money. Um, And I think at at least like one of these projects is going to be successful over the next five years and um, is going to at least like, you know, add weight to the position that like, you know, blockchain games, like, you know, the people aren't, people are building blockchain games just to scam, not just to scam people, but to actually create meaningful gaming experiences. So I think as we see like more and more of those projects succeed, and I think we will see more and more of those projects succeed over the next five years for the very simple reason that 
uh, all the people who are doing this purely to earn money are sort of leaving the ecosystem. And it's not wrong to do this purely to earn money um, because yeah, I mean, you know, right, but, if you have to, maybe right, yeah. yeah, maybe it's a little premature right now. You need you need uh, that that is the second wave. Well, right now, nothing nothing you earn is going to be worth very much, right? Because because uh, <laughs> because the exactly. market is crashing, right? So and 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 we are entering another crypto winter. So basically, like your real you know your real earnings, like you know the the earnings that you measure in terms of your ability to pay rent uh, from these games is going to go down, like to to the point where like people who are doing this purely for the earning potential are like you know just vanishing from the ecosystem. Um, and so the people who remain are the people who are doing this because they see the entertainment value or they enjoy collaborative creation or they just they want to create something that like, you know, th- they want to create something that's like entertaining and that can reach a lot of people. They want to like, you know, engage a lot of people inside the same kind of narratives that they enjoy. So it's like sort of the 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 believers in this potential. They're the ones who are going to continue participating. Um, and you know, there's enough people doing it that I think over the next five years we're going to see like at least a few projects sort of become successful, become prominent, uh, uh, you know, become engaging enough that uh, even gamers who haven't been involved with the blockchain before will start to understand that you know it's not just a bunch of scammers. That uh, a lot of us who are building in this space really genuinely care care about it because of the potential that we see for you know the kinds of experiences that we can, that it can offer the world. So um, actually, uh, that's very, that's a very interesting thought. And uh, while you were talking about that, it just occurred to me that we actually haven't discussed one aspect of blockchains, which I initially thought would be very attractive to gamers, and which is the non-fungible tokens, right? Uh, because if you think about it, uh, a gaming asset is essentially, or a character essentially, is is a non-fungible token. Uh, uh, and I remember. Uh, earlier in the day, I think uh, KK had mentioned we had looked at uh, the uh, gaming uh, scene before uh, in terms of blockchains, and one of the one of the uh, things that were going on at that time was this idea that uh, gamers could carry their assets with them, right? Mm-hmm. So they could go from one game to another and uh, bring their uh, assets along with them, right? And there would be this concept of an interchangeable standard or uh, some way of mm-hmm. uh, being able to, uh, for for multiple game players, uh, games to kind of recognize uh, the value or translate these assets to the local game, uh, uh, what do you call it, idea, right? So a space game, could uh, you could carry the assets over to a, a medieval game, for example. Uh, do you think that's that's something that is feasible? Given, I mean, that this was kind of like, uh, I think this when this idea came out, it was like two or three years ago. So, uh, do you think that's that's something that uh, is still got credibility, or do you think that's something that's uh, not really something that? Worked no, out? I think the idea definitely has legs, but you know, uh, it's not something that anyone gets for free in the sense that like, you know, it's not something that happens automatically, right? So let's say that I've built like a medieval, let's say I've built like some blockchain game, right? Like some World of Warcraft-like game, but which has a lot of mechanics represented on the blockchain. And let's say that I want to introduce like a system of mounts, right? And so then like, let's say that there's uh, unicorns on the blockchain 
and I want to add unicorns into my game as mounts for my characters, so things that my characters can ride and they, they can give them mm-hmm. bonuses in combat and stuff like that. Um, that's not something that comes for free. Someone who's building in my game, some like a builder on the game, has to actually build a, a mount system, and they have to define like you know what are the different NFTs they want to bring into the game as mounts, mounts like which NFT projects are allowed into the game as mounts, and how should the stats of those NFTs be determined within my game within my game engine, right? Like all of right. those things need to be de- defined in some way, and it can be defined by a single party. It can be defined through like a decentralized governance structure. There are like different mechanisms that you can use to make that determination, but someone has to implement all of that stuff. It's for each particular game. So that's not the kind of stuff that you get for free. And those are the kinds of mechanics, actually, that Moonstream is is interested in and the kinds of mechanics that we're developing that any game can use. Like uh, So those sort of common universal mechanics that any game needs to have, that's what that's actually what we're building. But someone has to build that, basically, for any particular game system. And that's uh, But once those things exist, once your game, let's say your blockchain game, once it has a system of mounts, then it's simply a matter of configuring like, okay, this NFT collection, I'm going to allow them into my game as mounts. And these are, this is how I'm going to convert stats from like, you know, the, their native stats to my game engine. And as soon as you turn on that configuration, people will be able to use them. And that's, that, that is certainly possible. And it's actually very exciting. Okay. So, so uh, do you think that this is something, or uh, these, these ideas are something that need to be communicated better? To the existing gaming uh, community, uh, I mean, to the, all existing gamers, because as a layperson sitting outside, right, the idea that okay, uh, I've spent uh, a, I don't know a few hundred hours uh, earning uh, whatever game assets that I've earned and a character and all of these other things that I've done, so it's kind of represents a great deal of investment of my time mm-hmm. uh, at the very least, and most probably my money as well. Uh, it, it is quite, quite compelling to then say, hey, okay, when I move to another game or if I uh, try out this other game, uh, I can reuse some of that, right? Yeah. And, and kind of recoup some of that investment. Uh, obviously, uh, I mean, the, and, and then from the, uh, from the gamer, uh, game developer's perspective, this is also exciting because then it kind of becomes attractive. Uh, way to expand your community, right? I mean, you don't exactly. Have you have so communities that are waiting to consume your content, basically. And exactly. As as you you like don't have to in, advertise like, so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, it seems to be this kind of like one of those exactly those win-win things that you were talking about earlier. And I mean, it, I find it surprising that uh, that's is that maybe a marketing thing that we should that that you feel that uh, uh, that 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 message has not gone through. Uh, well, I think a lot of it is also there's been so much noise uh, because of the boom, right? Because of the bubble, um, there's been so much noise about play to earn and about, about like things that are very much against this philosophy that that actually are very much counter to this philosophy. There's been so much noise about it that and there have been so few people like talking about these ideas that these ideas just haven't permeated like the discourse, right? The the like the standard discourse about blockchain gaming. Uh, that's going to change now. That's going to change now because. Um, you know, everybody that was doing play to earn is now realizing that that model is not sustainable for them and it's not going to help them weather, uh, weather the, this crash, weather the winter that's coming, right? So, um, mm-hmm. I think that's just naturally going to change. Uh, and I think we just need examples, right? Because, uh, just talking about it isn't, isn't particularly convincing. I mean, in the absence of anything else, you, you should be, you know, we should be talking about it, but, uh, we should also be building these experiences. And that's, that's really what's happening right now is that like the people who are building these kinds of experiences, are going to get more focus on them and um 
and as you know we see a few projects like you know get to a point where like you know other people can consume them and regular players can start participating in them um we're, i think naturally the the just the the nature of the discourse is going to change around blockchain gaming and uh, it, it's just you know these things all take time basically right uh, it's it's i i consider it to be like quite a like a, a shift in perspective like a, like a really like you know very sharp shift in perspective about games at all um like you know for example it's very natural even you know as you were talking to me you were using the language of investment right like how much investment you put into the games and the assets of the games and stuff like that but actually you know for really great games you lose when you're playing a really great game like for example this the most recent game that this happened with, uh, to me with was factorio right when you're playing a really great game game you lose all sense of time outside of that game and you lose all sense of opportunity cost of like the time that you're spending in that game um you know like a really great game for me like i the experiences that i deeply care about the the games that i love are the ones where i can start playing on friday evening i can't do it anymore because i have a, i have a, like a family and a kid but like you know when i was in college like i could start playing on friday evening and then look up and i realize that it's sunday afternoon or something right and like th those are the game that like those are the like really meaningful game experiences uh in my mind um and basically what we need is we need to create those kinds of game experiences with blockchain games and there are people who are trying to do that so uh that's once that happens you know as we see more and more projects that sort of give people that experience i think just the people will start to understand uh it's just a matter of time and effort basically and and of course getting the word out like this and and through other means as well absolutely uh so i mean i i think i guess um i'm i'm kind of done asking questions i think it's quite uh, uh, an interesting uh, perspective and it, uh, i thought it was a great conversation about uh, uh, the current situation and the future of gaming uh, kk do you have anything uh, that you might want to add oh uh, no i completely agree you know this has been a really fascinating conversation uh, with neeraj i've got to you know learn a lot <laughs> so uh, and like you mentioned just looking at where the markets are today uh you know i think it's still early days for blockchain based gaming and uh, like he mentioned there's a lot of noise right now and uh, out of this phase you know some real games will come out you know which which will revolutionize you know a lot of the models going forward so and and a company such as moonstream would uh, definitely add a lot of value to game developers you know in in deploying these blockchain based game mechanics within their games yeah yeah uh just just uh, one last thing i wanted to mention uh neeraj uh, mm -hmm. we'll be including all the relevant links in the show notes for this episode uh however for our audience who are listening to this would you like to tell them you know where they can find more information about you or get involved or anything else yeah yeah so the best place to look uh, to look for more information about uh what about us about moonstream as well as about like you know blockchain gaming in general is just to go to our website so our website is moonstream.com to so to the moon it's moonstream.to uh if you go there you can uh, you know join our discord we're happy to answer any questions we're happy to introduce people to like blockchain gaming um to interesting games um and you know just uh, just educate people in general about about the stuff or just talk about the stuff uh that's the best place to sort of find us and if you want to find me my nickname everywhere on all social media is zonglings z o m g l i n g s so uh, you can just like you know add me on twitter or something or send me a dm on twitter i'm happy to talk anytime so again neeraj thanks again for speaking with us and uh, we hope to have you back again in the future as uh, the industry evolves moving forward thanks krishna thanks nikhil thank you yeah it was a great conversation uh, and looking forward to seeing great things from moonstream thanks a lot
Once again, that was Neeraj Kashyap from Moonstream. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify. Also, you can learn more about us at bcdialogues.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.